You're listening to the OT's Gone Rogue podcast, where we inspire therapists to think outside the box and do things differently. I'm your host, Melissa LaPointe. My passion is in helping OT entrepreneurs have a bigger impact on the world while building a life they love and doing transformative work that lights them up. On each episode of the show, I'm going to share tools and tricks to help you flex your entrepreneurial muscles and grow your business from the inside out. I want to see more OTs step up as visionary leaders, change makers, and influential CEOs. So let's get started. Hey there, and welcome back to the OT's Gone Rogue podcast. Today, we're rolling out another Rogue Spotlight interview where we're featuring an OT who's thinking outside the box and doing things differently in terms of how they're using their education and experience to serve their audience. Clarice Grody is an occupational therapist, Medicare specialist, and health policy consultant based in the United States. She's also the founder and CEO of Amplify OT, a company dedicated to educating and encouraging OT practitioners and students to engage with Medicare policy and advocacy. Now, if you're thinking that this episode might not apply to you because you're not working with Medicare or you're not American, think again. During my interview with Clarice, we're talking more about her journey as an OT entrepreneur, her experience with pivoting from an online course to a membership model, and the work she's doing behind the scenes on building out a stronger infrastructure for her business so that it's more profitable and sustainable. And of course, for our US-based listeners who are interested in knowing more about the amazing work she's doing with Medicare, we're linking her contact details in the show notes. So without further ado, let's roll out my spotlight interview with Clarice Grody. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the OT's Gone Rogue podcast. And Clarice, welcome to the podcast. We've been talking about this for a while, and we're here. I am so excited to be here and chatting with you. I've been a longtime listener. <laughs> so, so awesome. So let's get started. I mean, they've heard a little bit of an intro, but I always like them to hear it in your words. So can you tell us a little bit more about who you are, how you're connected to the OT profession? And of course, because we are an international group, where are you geographically? Yeah, so I'm Clarice Grody. I am an occupational therapist, so that's how I'm connected to the wonderful profession. I am located in Durham, North Carolina in the United States. And so I have been an OT for about five years. I think I'm like a week away from my five-year anniversary, Um, but I am a Medicare specialist. I love policy. I love advocacy. I did a lot of volunteer work right from the get-go, which is how I kind of fast-tracked my career and my professional experience, as I'm sure we'll get into a little bit, but that's that's uh, who I am. That's what I do. And I just, I love occupational therapy. I like how we think. I like what we do. And I think we're a solution to many of the world's problems. Well, and every time, because sometimes I forget how long you've been an occupational therapist. And every time you say that, I'm like, oh, right. She's still a baby. <laughs> I'm By some definitions, I am still considered a new grad. Some people cut it off at three, others cut it off at five. So, wow. Wow. 
So this is a great, you know, let's, let's dive in. So how did you fast track? Because you are positioning yourself, the work that you're doing, your area of focus, but also where you are as an entrepreneur and your level of visibility for someone that has been, you know, we're, we're busting a lot of myths. And I love that because I think people have this preconceived notion that they do need to be practicing for a certain amount of time before they can think outside the box, before they can go rogue and do something different with their career. At what point, so I'm going to start spoon feeding you some questions because I realized I just <laughs> dumped a let's talk. I'm very excited about this. At what point after graduating or did it happen before graduation when you knew you were going to be doing something a little bit different beyond the more traditional route of clinical care? So I have always been very leadership minded policy-minded. That's just kind of how I was raised. You know, my dad's a lawyer. My mom is an intelligence analyst in the army. So two very high achieving individuals, and we were kind of pushed into that high achieving category, you know? And so I'd always held a bunch of different leadership roles, both in high school and an undergraduate. And that continued into my graduate experience. I went to Columbia University out in New York. Um, I as a fieldwork student, though, so I always kind of knew I wanted to eventually get into management. Um, it's where I think I have a lot of great skills. It's why I love being an OT is because I love that evaluative nature of occupational of being an occupational therapist. Um, and so that kind of the way that I'd like to think, I think, aligned really well with management. And that's where I wanted to go into so when I was in school was during the 2016 presidential election, which for anyone who may not know, that was when um, Donald Trump was winning against Hillary Clinton. And that was also a time where there was a lot of conversation around repealing the Affordable Care Act or what people know as Obamacare. Um, that piece of legislation specifically had a lot of importance for myself, um, for our family, and then also for the profession of occupational therapy. And so I felt like I really wanted to do something. I wanted my voice to be represented. I wanted to advocate. Um, both of my parents have set a really great example of advocacy um, for type 1 diabetes, or my dad did a lot of really great work on payday loan reform in our state, home state of Missouri. Um, and so I knew that advocacy works and that it's really important. And so I started seeking out opportunities to do that which is where I found out that I could do a level two experience with the American Occupational Therapy Association. And so that's where I really kind of took a pivot in my career. Because like any new grad, right, you're trying to figure out what do I want to do? Who do I want to work with? All I knew is I didn't want to do peds. That was very clear. Um, you know, so, but doing that level two at AOTA. So I spent 12 weeks living in Washington, D.C., working with the federal affairs team, which is responsible for lobbying Congress. Um, that's where it really clicked for me was like, oh, I love the way that this makes me think. I love the way that policy makes my brain really work. It's like solving this weird puzzle. Um, and so that's where things really kind of clicked for me that I want to do something related to policy in my career. And so then I set my sights on that. And so ever since that experience, everything that I've done has been in alignment with trying to achieve that goal of either working for AOTA or working in some sort of policy, regulatory advocacy related field where I could make a difference in how our healthcare system works. I love this in so many ways, because I think already our listeners are hearing yet another example of thinking outside the box in how we show up as OTs and 
all the different ways that we can be taking our training and our schooling and our education and our experiences and do something with that. So at this point, you are considered you're self-employed, correct? Yes. Okay. And what are you doing to generate revenue? So my company is Amplify OT. Um, so we're Amplify Occupational Therapy. I started in 2020 and I really didn't know. I honestly, I didn't know it would become a business. <laughs> I really just started a website to be like kind of like an online portfolio I wanted a place where I could write about policy and advocacy to get information out to people, but also to kind of use to help leverage getting a job because I, this was when I had only about three and a half years of experience. So I knew I was young. I knew that companies might not take me seriously. Um, And so I really wanted a place where I could send them and be like, look, I do know what I'm talking about. I promise, (laughs) you know? Um, And so that was kind of the first start. And so it's, it's changed a lot in the last, let's see, I started in 2020. So I'm going into my third year of business. It's changed a lot. So what I'm doing now is I have for free products, I have blogs and podcasts. Um, and that's where I disseminate a lot of my information, but to make revenue, I first started a course, um, my mastering OT policy and Medicare course, which I then later repackaged into the amplify OT membership, which is what I launched in January And that is my primary revenue through my business um, that's entirely hosted and put together by me. Um, And But beyond that, I do various like consulting or contracting jobs. So I have a contract um, to help produce work sometimes for AOTA or National Association. That's work that's completely separate in terms of like what I produce for Amplify OT, but then also... I do. um, So I want to be very clear that I do not represent AOTA. I'm not an employee of AOTA. I just help them out with resources every now and then. And then I um, do various other contracts like CEUs or podcasts, content area expert. It just kind of depends, but it's all related to that policy work. Mm, Amazing. Good stuff. So on that note, because this is something that I'm often on a soapbox around, is really understanding the fundamentals and why I struggle with teaching people how to create an online course or create a membership program and really understanding that when we're building these digital products or these digital programs, that there are some key fundamentals and you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) And sometimes we may have this idea of what we think is going to be the right fit. And then life happens our businesses change, we change, our audiences change, or we just get to know how to better serve our people. So we have to try something. And I want people in my community to understand those fundamentals so that ultimately, if or when it comes time to make a pivot, they don't feel like they're starting back at the beginning. They're able to take what they know and tweak it in terms of deliverability, in terms of the way their systems are set up, in the ter- in the way that their sales and marketing is set up. And you are a great example of when you and I first connected, you had this online course and you were looking to make a shift. So can you explain a little bit more what motivated you? What was the instigator in knowing you wanted to take this online course that was 
that was doing well, but you had a different idea. You had saw a different potential for it. So what was that instigating factor for you? So for me, I, there's a couple different things. There's the business side where I really wanted some form of reoccurring revenue um, because it gives me a little bit more stability in my business, a little bit more consistency. It was, you know, it was fantastic having like my, my course was where I really had significant financial success in terms of that. I was able to make four figures in one month before that it was like two or $300 here or there, um, which is fine to keep my website alive, but isn't really anything that I'm going to be able to take home. Um, so my course was where I was initially successful, but from the business perspective, it's really challenging to make a good chunk of money one month and then try and budget it out for four months until I launch again. So, you know, it from a business perspective, it made sense to kind of switch to a model where there's a little bit more of that reoccurring revenue um, from that mindset where it provides me a little bit more of that stability to be able to consistently invest in something um, and also gives me a little bit more financial stability to make investments to improve my business and to provide a better experience to my customers. From the personal perspective and the serving perspective, my course was doing well, but there really wasn't a lot of interaction with the people who were signing up for my course. Um, so my course is sold to not only practitioners, but also occupational therapy and occupational therapy assistant programs. So I actually had two cohorts that were going through my course and I was getting feedback and hearing from people that they were either kind of picking up information that wasn't exactly the way that I intended it, or, you know, professors were getting questions. So there really wasn't a lot of that back and forth because it was just an online course. So there wasn't really enough opportunity for me personally to have connections with people and ha really be able to serve as that content area expert. Um, and so I wanted to switch it into a membership, into a platform that really functioned more like a community. So the course is there as a resource, but, you know, Medicare is hard. So what I talk about a lot is Medicare policy. It's about reimbursement and it can be confusing. And so sometimes just hearing it the first time or hearing a summary, you can walk away with information that may not be fully accurate. And so there always has to be kind of a conversation around it. And I wanted people to have easy access to me as a content expert or someone to be able to help them navigate through issues at work and also to be able to network and connect with each other. So when I developed my membership, I was very intentional of picking a website that would allow me to have a community. So it kind of looks like a social media site, like a Facebook, where there's groups and forums and an activity feed. And I picked that with the intention that it would look like a community versus it just being an online course. So it was both a good decision, in my opinion, from like the business perspective and supporting what I need to do in order to main, remain open, um, but also that personal perspective where, you know, occupational therapy practitioners, we're a social bunch. We like to talk. We like to be with each other. I'm working here by myself all day. You know, I don't really have like a team. So it fills that side of it personally, where I feel like I'm able to give back to the profession and communicate with people. People feel like they have more access to me because that's also feedback I got is people are like, I wish I just was able to like send you questions. And so I built that into my membership platform. And so there's still lots of room for improvement. I've got lots of ideas to do. Um, so it's been a good investment from the business perspective allows me to really support my business longer term and also allows me to meet that community need of being able to converse and have conversations around policy and advocacy. What were some of the challenges or were there any? Now, this is relatively new. So when did you first open the doors to your membership? 
I first opened the doors the very last week of January slash first week of February. Okay. Um, so there was a lot of challenges, mainly in the technical aspect. And it was also a pretty big financial risk. Um, I put a lot of money investing into the platform. It required me to build a new website essentially because it's a separate, it's a subdomain of my current website without getting too technical, but required man hours, time, a lot of creative thinking of like, okay, what do I even want it to do? How, what do I need in order for it to be when people sign up that they're not going to be like, well, what is this? You know, that it's going to be successful. And I do tend to have higher standards for myself. So I try and I have to sometimes tame those down and understand when, you know, not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. But so that was the main challenge was getting the website actually functional, um, making sure that the technology worked, that when people went to sign up, they could actually sign up, that my email sent out at the right time. So just kind of all of that stuff, my social media in place, my how this is how to use the platform in place. Do people know how to find it? Um, that's been the biggest challenge leading up into it. And then I wouldn't say this is necessarily a challenge is the right word, but then it's kind of, okay, now you have members now what do I do to engage them, right? It kind mm, of, the delivery you come piece. up with a new thing of like, what, now what's next? What do people want? Um, and the hardest part is really building routines around, right? If we're talking from OT speak, I'm trying to help people build routines and habits around coming to my platform. So how do I help support them in developing those routines and habits? Um, and also how do I keep them engaged so that they think this is worth it? You know, this is worth my investment in myself, in this person, um, so how do I kind of balance those things without also giving too much of myself and not being able, either burning out or not being able to kind of keep up with what I start out with? Were there any major shifts in terms of how you were launching the membership compared to the course? So you had gone through how many how many times did you launch the course? Um, I launched the beta once and then I launched it a second time and that's it. I did kind of like a mini launch for like Black Friday, but that barely counts. So you were still also in the process of learning the launch mechanism for your course. It wasn't a rinse and repeat well-developed system at that point. Mm -mm. Okay. So there was a lot of learning regardless. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Got it. Got it. Let's speak for a moment about the work that you and I have been doing together. Because again, I think this highlights the work that's to be done, like many of us. So I'm going to back up. You started this <laughs> website. You started this journey as a social entrepreneur. Right. Not even acknowledging the entrepreneurial piece yet. And I know that there are many listeners, myself included, that resonates with that path where we have an idea, we see how we can be creative in instigating change. And we have to think outside the box in terms of getting there, which ultimately is the definition of an entrepreneur. But many of us, we're so disconnected from the entrepreneurial space at that point, that that isn't what's pulling us forward. It's very much this heart-centered idea, this vision for the future. So you started there and then recognized, oh, this is a business. And then you you built your business. But especially for those of us who have these heart-led businesses, we can sometimes get caught up in, oh, it's like my baby. I've heard people say that. I used to say that. <laughs> and it's not. It's a machine. 
it is a machine. It is a machine with, you know, we have input, we have output, we have fuel, which is the cash flow, we have numbers, we have systems. And when you and I first started working together, you didn't come to me because I'm an expert in Medicare and Medicaid and policy in the US. <laughs> right. Let's be honest. <laughs> that is not what I bring to the table. But you were recognizing that you wanted to be more strategic with your numbers and your business infrastructure. So can you speak about what that has been like to to see your business from a different perspective in how you're building out you're you're looking to maximize the output without you know we only we have so much input that we can that we have to work with so yeah can you speak a little bit about that journey of that different perspective you have in seeing your business yeah i definitely so the first real investment i'd say that i made in my business um besides getting it started was I did enroll in Marie Forleo's B school. And that's where I really, for the first time started thinking about, okay, where am I actually making money? Like before that I knew I was having some money coming in, but I'd never actually looked at the numbers to see where am I actually making the most money and really didn't really sit down and think, what do I like doing? Like, (laughs) what is it that I really enjoy? And that's what kind of led me thinking, like, I really enjoy teaching. I honestly love talking with others and interacting with them and teaching and presenting. And I'm a rare bird that loves, you know, giving speeches. (laughs) So, um, you know, I like the sound of my own voice, but so that was where I kind of really started thinking about those sorts of things, um, and starting to get a little more organized of, okay, you know, it's not just about producing content then or selling guides. I really want to be able to have that interaction. And, but I think like most people who start out, you're kind of chasing everything. You're saying yes to every product or project. You're kind of saying yes to all these different ideas. You have a hodgepodge of things. Like I said, I was going to start like monthly webinars that lasted two months, you know? So, So you're just kind of trying to see what works and what happens. And then when I made my course, that was the first time I actually started putting some strategy into something. I had a capstone student at the time. So she was really helpful um, in kind of forcing me essentially to decide on a project and stick with it through the all the way through. Um, got some good feedback and then made it better and launched it again in October. And that was the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare course. Um, and then kind of seeing, oh, this is actually a product that people want, that people need. Um, if they didn't, then I wouldn't have had a successful launch, right? And then thinking about the schools and I thought, okay, if I'm going to really make this work for the long run, I've really got to start thinking hard about the numbers and what I can invest. Cause up until that point, I'd kind of been like, okay, I have $2,000 in the bank, which means I can afford about $2,000 of investments. And then I'd kind Mm -hmm. of wait and I'd be like, okay, now I have $500, which means I can do this now. Um, And so I wanted that more long-term strategy, not only for my own sense of comfort. So I don't feel like I'm constantly being like, yes, I'll take that project because I need cash flow, but also to support my family long-term, like I, you know, I'm married and my husband has been very gracious in understanding that a business is an investment um, and that it takes time to build, but then also there needs to be strategy behind that. um, If I actually want to be able to grow and scale this business and really make as much difference as I want to be able to make. Um, And so that's kind of part of the equation, right? As much as I'd love to reach every single practitioner, I can't do that without also having the funds to allow me to do those things. So it's kind of a twofold. Mm. 
And that's something that so many of us go through in the startup years. And I say the startup years, some entrepreneurs, this can continue for many, many years where they base their decisions off of what they see in their bank accounts. And that is not accurate information, <laughs> right? Basing that off of, um, yeah, just just looking at what's in your bank account. And there's more to it. There's more to understanding the numbers. And there's more to long-term planning. And there's more to understanding the operational side of your business and of a product launch and getting into deliverability. There are different moving parts and you don't know what you don't know. And even just to have someone to, you know, have a structured time, because before we hit record, we were talking about different ways. We both build in that structured time into our entrepreneurial lives where you have accountability, you have a plan, you have a designated time to bounce ideas back and forth and to not just be in your own head ruminating about things. And that's really important. Yeah. And I tend to, I tend to second guess my decisions a lot, um, which is where, you know, I've got multiple examples of this, like with my logo, right? I redesigned my logo and played with my colors like a thousand times, like probably once a month. And finally, I just paid someone to do it and I haven't messed with it since, you know, or like same thing with like my landing pages. I messed with it all the time, constantly kind of critiquing it, changing a sentence. And I realized I'm like, I am wasting so much time doing this. And that's where I invested in a copywriter to help me write that. And it was a thousand times better than anything I'd ever written before. And that was another reason of me wanting to come to you is you reach this point where you know that you want to grow and you know that you can but I didn't always have the funds to invest in the people who need, who could help me grow. And I didn't want to hire anyone on and be like, you know, even as a contract and be like, well, I can do like three hours this month and maybe 15 next month. You know, I really wanted to be able to provide someone with kind of a consistent income. Um, and that's where I was able to fortunately find an OT student now who's able to help me. But a large part of that was developing that structure. And that's really what I wanted in a business coach was not, you know, I've got the content down. I've got mentors in that area, but what I really needed was how can I actually create a year plan, a project plan where I can be like, say no to projects because I know they don't align with my goals or say yes to projects because I know that they do. And that's where working with you has been so incredibly helpful because I actually have a plan now. Whereas before, like with my capstone student, I literally came up with the idea for my course, like four days before she started, I sent her an email. I was like, I've completely changed what we're working on. This is what we're doing. Hope that's okay. <laughs> you know, and she's like, sure works for me, you know, but that's kind of how I operated. And versus now it's so much more comforting to my own anxiety and stress to know that I actually have a plan. I actually have a map of how much I want to make and my revenue. And it gives me a lot more sense of control over my business and my life that I really needed in those systems. Um, and they're still in development, but also then will allow me to expand as I start taking on team members to help me do everything. And there's something to be said about tracking our numbers, but then analyzing our numbers. So I'm coming back mm -hmm. to your launch debrief and how powerful that was because it was, oh, I have numbers now. What do I do with them? And even having a recipient, you know, having someone, because again, I'm guilty of doing that myself. Oh, I knew, I know I should 
I know I should look <laughs> at those numbers, but no one else sees them. So it's just, it's so much easier to let that slide, but yet there's so much value. And sometimes the lessons we get from those numbers aren't easy lessons to receive. So again, when there's no one keeping us accountable, checking in, hey, did you get that debrief done? Hey, did you go through those numbers? Let's talk. It's easy to keep pushing it off because sometimes we don't want to lean in and do the hard work. It can be very ego bruising <laughs> doing this work. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, it's, it's funny that you'd say that about like with the launch numbers, I did technically do a launch debrief after my very, my October launch for my course, I wrote down all the numbers and then I looked at them and go, cool. I don't know what this means. I don't know what to do with this. And it was funny after doing my second launch in January with you, I did the same thing. I wrote down the numbers. You gave me a better framework of what numbers to pull out. And I remember telling my husband, I was like, I don't really know what to do next. I feel like I've got these numbers here. And then I meet with you and you're like, well, it looks like people came from your email list. So you should probably get people on your email list. Like that makes a lot of sense. And you would think that looking at that and being like, oh yes, majority of my sales came from my emails, that that would be obvious to take the next step. But then I remember sitting here thinking like, I don't know what to do with any of of this information. (laughs) Well, and it's again, when your nose is to the pavement, when you're in it, it's really hard to see that. But when, you know, and that's one of the benefits to working with a business coach or with a consultant or with someone who has that 30,000 foot view alongside you of your business, who isn't as attached to the numbers, who isn't as attached to the intricacies of what's happening or how much money is going into your bank account, right? Mm -hmm. Of course that matters to me. And I am cheering you on and supporting you and celebrating that with you. But at the end of the day, I'm much more objective about that situation. And that's something that, again, I've benefited immensely from that as well, where I don't see it in my own business because I'm, you know, face up against it and needing someone to, okay, we don't have to be having that 30,000 foot view all the time, but today for an hour, you know, pull me by the scruff of my neck and okay, let's do the 30,000 foot view for a minute so you can see how I see it. Yeah. And everything you produce is personal. Because I put all my hours in there. And I think especially as you get started, every email that you see, every post that you see, every you know video, I put all my work, like that is me that I put into there. And so it's hard to view it from the outside. And that's where it's helpful. Because sometimes it is hard when you get that feedback of like, I didn't like this. You're like, okay, well, how much do I take that into consideration? If it's one out of 30, you know, how much should I weigh that one person's feedback? And so it's helpful, yeah, to have that outside perspective to kind of, you know, tell you what you need to know, and then also kind of talk you off the edge. (laughs) 100%. And I always appreciate when your husband has comments or thoughts or acknowledgements, you know, when you send me messages, my husband appreciates that you said this. (laughs) (laughs) It's always about reminding me to take a break. Well, and that's an important piece that a lot of us who are high achievers and high performers and really attached to our work, that's part of the accountability is okay. You know, when we do our 90 day plan, we start with what time are we taking away from our business? That's the starting point. And I was very uncomfortable in the beginning when I was first taught that way to plan. I'm like, well, do I deserve time off yet? <laughs> Did I hit my goals? 
I, you know, but it's, it's again, similar to the profit first mentality where you set aside the profit first from your business. When we're doing this 90 day plan, when are we taking time off? And when we are going through program launches, when are we then taking the time to celebrate? How are we celebrating? Because that's also something that a lot of us can push to the side. Oh, right. I meant to celebrate that, but I'll do it next month when I also am celebrating this and I'll kill two birds with one stone. (laughs) Get one celebration for the price of two. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. So Clarice, where can people find you? And for everyone who's interested in your membership, where can they access that? What can we what can we include in the show notes, but also for those listening who who maybe don't have a pen nearby? You know, where are you hanging out on social? What can we do with that? Yeah. So my website is amplifyot.com. That's got links to just about everything that I've got going on, including my membership. Um, and my podcast. So I do have my own podcast, which is the Amplify OT podcast, which is available on every podcast platform. Um, Social media wise, I'm most places, but the best place to find me really is Instagram. That's where I post my stories. It's where I post most of my updates. Um, So Instagram and Facebook are probably where I'm most commonly at, but Instagram is really my favorite platform. So to connect with me, send me questions, chat with me, Instagram's the place to be. Awesome. All right. So if you are listening to this and driving or walking, I mean, Amplify OT is pretty easy to remember, but you can also check out the show notes. We'll make sure we link up all the great stuff, including, so I'm really excited about the playlist that you've been creating. So we'll make sure we we link that up so that you have a lot of content. You have a lot of great content. And I love that you're now not only doing your part to serve people who are investing in your program and your services, but, and again, I love when people reach this level of business where you are putting so much effort into serving the people who are still in your free community and how you can improve their experience and continue to support them, whether they're investing or not. And that's ultimately why we are all working to become more profitable so that our businesses survive and they continue to move towards thriving. And that way we're you know, serving from an overfilling cup and we can do our part, whether someone is investing or not, even if they just want to be there and hang out and be part of the community experience, they're getting that. So the playlist that you've been curating, that's a little bit more specific to their needs. It's a wonderful engagement tool. It's a wonderful lead magnet. It's a wonderful opt-in. So I'd love to send them that way as well. Yeah, I'll definitely send you that link. It's a podcast and resource playlist. So it's got links to pretty much every podcast has its own blog. Um, They do have slightly different content. So if you like one, I always recommend looking at the other um, because obviously I can't always write the way that I talk because it'd just be one long run on sentence. But yeah, like you said, you know, it's about serving both communities because really the reason I started Amplify OT is because I was frustrated that when I would try and find information on reimbursement that I would have to Google it along with PT or that I'd find a couple of resources but really didn't talk to occupational therapy. And we are not the same as every other profession. And I wanted there to be a voice for us and have a seat at the table. So it's really important to me to continue to make sure that there are resources that are available to everyone. Um, in addition to the resources that I'm able to keep for my community that go a little bit deeper, because at the end of the day, you know, as much as I'd love to do all of this for free, I have to have something coming in. Cause if I didn't do this, I'd go back to being a clinician, which is 
great, but would also take a lot of my time. And so it's uh, about meeting both needs, but really the the whole point is to, to help people realize how wonderful they are, all the skills that they have, and make sure that they recognize that occupational therapy has a lot of value and that we deserve to have a seat at that decision-making table. Great stuff. Thank you so much for joining me today and for chatting. I always love connecting with you. And well, I've connected with you several times today. We That's had right. <laughs> uh, but it's all good. If there's anyone I'm going to connect with multiple times, you're one of them. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm so glad to, to be on here and looking forward to hearing everything else that you have to have to show us. Awesome. All right. Take care. And we will chat with you soon. Okay, that is it for today's conversation. I hope our interview gave you something to think about in terms of your rogue journey and the importance of both understanding business fundamentals and developing a stronger infrastructure for the work that you're doing. If you have any feedback or aha moments that you want to share with me or with Clarice, take a quick screenshot and tag us on Instagram. You can find me at OT's Gone Rogue, or you can find Clarice at Amplify underscore OT and let us know your thoughts. For the latest show notes and full episodes, make sure you head over to otsgonerogue.com forward slash podcast. If you don't want to miss any future episodes, make sure you're subscribed to the OT's Gone Rogue podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, we always appreciate those reviews. It makes the world of difference in helping to get our show in front of more therapists who would benefit from our content. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the OT's Gone Rogue podcast. Take care, everyone, and I'll see you next week.